is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of PSA. If you've never tuned in before, I'm so excited that you're here. If you listen every week, what is up? I am your host, Molly Lee, and I am so excited for today's episode because we are going to be talking about absolutely nothing of importance, but it might also be the most important conversation we've ever had because we are doing a deep dive into the royal family. But even if you cannot stand the royal family, don't turn away just yet. I promise you there's something in it for everyone. Remember, I am a realist at the end of the day. And the reason why I say fascination and not admiration or obsession is because I'm not super on board with this mindset that everything's rosy all the time, pretending that everything's together, this facade that they put on. So I'm going to be giving my real thoughts and feelings on the royal family. I'm also going to be talking about just European society and British society as a whole and how much I love it. And I'm going to be talking about a trip to London that I took in 2018 that was just insane, had the coolest experiences happen because of everything. It was truly like a once in a lifetime trip. At the end of the episode, I'm also going to share um, your responses of things you would like to see explained to the Queen of England. These had me in tears. It was so funny. And at the very end of the episode, I'm going to be doing my review and recap of season four of The Crown. The reason why I'm doing it at the end is so there's no spoilers if you haven't watched yet. But honestly, is it a spoiler if it's history? I feel like we all know what happened. Anyways, That's just me stirring the pot. Let's jump into the episode. All right, friends, first things first. I am back in the closet studio today, back at my house where this all started, where I became a mother, where I birthed PSA into the world, because I have so much going on this week that I just literally did not have time today. Um, I'm going on a last minute road trip with my mother. So for all of you that love Martha, we call her Marf around here. Um, We're going to have some videos for you guys. We are going to Tennessee next week for a work trip for her. Um, If you know what my mom does for work, I will say nothing else. If you don't know, I might give a little insight later on in the episode. I don't have the courage right now to really share much about my mom's work life. Um, It's going to be an interesting trip, to say the least. No one else from her office could go. So, you know, I was next in line, and she kind of did a... um, you know, work from home part-time job dig because she was like, oh, Molly, you have the time. You want to come? And like she knew I wanted to go, but she didn't have to like hurt my feelings and call me out like that. Um, anyways, we're beefing, but it's fine. I'll get over it. So all of that to say, this is me like I should schedule a therapy appointment, but I'm talking to a microphone by myself instead. Um, all that to say, I'm I'm at home this week. I'm so excited about today's episode. And let me just start off by saying that I have always known that I would thrive living in a European society. Um, and I know it's much different. It gets even more specific as like a British society and even more as like a London society. But as a whole with a European society, these people live the life, right? They start work at like 10 a.m. Everyone just has croissants and cafes all day, I imagine. Um, you drink with every single meal. I don't smoke, but if I ever go to Paris, I was supposed to go to Paris in April. Obviously, COVID canceled that. If I ever finally make it to Paris, I will smoke on a balcony just to like really understand the Eiffel Tower more. I just feel like there's this awakening that happens when you're smoking in Paris, living your authentic life. I don't know. I don't even know if that makes sense. Anyways, I have always, since I was young, been fascinated with 
really specifically it was like London and the idea of London in the same way that a lot of kids are fascinated with taking trips to New York or LA. For me, it was always London. I don't know why. I can't explain it. And as I got older and learned more about British society and learned more about just the UK as a whole and even broader with European society, I was just like, this is the place for me. Um, I actually almost moved to London a few years ago for an internship. I'll get more into that later. But there have just been so many times I'm still convinced that at some point in my life I'm going to live overseas and hopefully that is living in London um, because I'm just obsessed. So we're speaking it into existence that someone's going to find me on the internet and cast me in a movie that's going to be shooting on location in London. And they're going to have to do so many reshoots and then there's going to be like another shutdown or something and I'm going to be stuck in London for six months. Let's all manifest this together. All right. So I'm going to give you um, some reasons why I really, really love the Brits, why I just love British society as a whole. Um, I have been a long time YouTube watcher of British competition shows. And I know that that sounds very, very vague, but I know if you are an X Factor watcher, I don't watch X Factor on TV. I don't watch like America's Got Talent or like Britain's Got Talent. I don't watch any of those shows on TV. I only watch clips on YouTube and I cry to every single golden buzzer until I'm heaving um, very similarly to when I start watching like soldier coming home videos. You know the vibe if you've been in a manic depression state um, where you just go down these YouTube like black holes. But ever since I was young, I would always watch X Factor UK auditions and stuff on YouTube. So there's a little group that was formed. There's lots of groups that have been formed on the X Factor that a lot of people don't know. That's where they started. But when I say I have been an, a fan of One Direction since the beginning, I genuinely mean it because I watched these guys perform and audition alone, almost get sent home, then form into a group called One Direction. Um, I have genuinely been a fan of them for a long, long time. And it's just like fascinating to see all of the groups that have come out of stuff like that. And as I've gotten older, and you realize like, the corruption of stuff or you realize how nothing's real even though everything you thought was real um it's not and so although there's like so much that goes behind the scenes now into making competition shows like that at the time I was just so enticed by all of it and I think too it's just like this just like childhood obsession with people who speak in an accent or just a, a culture that you don't understand or that seems so posh and just outside of your own element. But my friends and I, when we were in junior high, we all loved Prince Harry as well. I grew up a huge Spice Girls fan. Like there's just so much that involves like British culture. And from my friends that live in Ireland, I know that's not... <laughs> I, I'm aware that Ireland is not England, but my friends who live in Ireland have told me the same thing, that you just kind of romanticize other countries. Like, they romanticize what living in America or what living in France would be like. Um, and I definitely wrote, have romanticized the UK for a long, long time in my life, and very specifically London. So there's also a very specific set of TV that I'm obsessed with, and it's British talk shows. So I discovered the Graham Norton show probably, I don't even know, maybe in like 2013. It's been on TV for a long time. If you have BBC, you've probably seen it. But I watched Graham Norton and just became obsessed with him. I think I was just watching like a celebrity interview and had gone again down a YouTube rabbit trail and one from his show popped up. And the way that the Brits do 
talk shows is so engaging to me. It's so beautifully done. And James Corden, obviously, being from the UK, has modeled the same thing in America where they bring out every single guest at the same time. And it makes the show feel more natural. It just makes it feel more engaging and honestly just allows for a lot of funny moments because they bring out every single guest at the same time to sit on the couch. So they're not only able to talk about their own project and hear about other people's, they're able to like bounce stuff off of each other. And it's just always very, very funny. There are some of the most iconic late night scenes to me and scenarios that have happened on his show. Um, So again, if you've never watched Graham Norton, I would absolutely recommend that you watch it. But there's others like, you know, Alan Carr with Chatty Man. If you watch any of these, you're going to be kind of astonished at first at how like kind of bonkers and out there it is. But I just kind of love the freedom and just like everything that comes with it. Right. And I feel like a lot of people know what I'm talking about from watching like The Great British Bake Off on Netflix, Um, just watching other shows like that, you just kind of get enticed, whether it's because of just it being a different culture, whether it feels super just like communal or wholesome to you, whatever the reason is, um, that's kind of the feeling that I've had. And I actually did not go to London for the first time until 2018. And when I tell you we went at a prime time, I could not make that statement any more clear if I tried. When we bought our tickets months in advance, we didn't know that any of this was happening. But when we were there happened to be when England was playing in the World Cup. So the whole city was just electric the whole time we were there. And, you know, the Brits are notorious for, like, being very standoffish, being very passive, kind of very apologetic people. But everyone was so friendly and just buzzing, was so excited the whole time we were there that I think I got kind of a romanticized view even more of London that didn't help with my already, like, manic obsession fascination brain. Um, And again, like, when my friends and I were young, we literally had a birthday party for my friend that was Prince Harry themed. It wasn't, like, UK-themed or, like, royalty-themed. It was just Prince Harry-themed. So I've just kind of been set up as a crazy person from the start, but that's fine. Um, But also when we were there, we went to Buckingham Palace the first day, and we were just touring around looking for everything, and they were setting up for something. And one of the security people asked, like, if we knew what was going on because they heard us talking, I guess, and heard our accents, and I was like, no, I have no idea. Um, Also, I went with... One of my best friends in the world, Emma Long, who lives in Ireland, we went together. And so I was like, no, I have no idea what's going on. And he said, what a special time to be in London, because tomorrow is the Royal Air Force 100 year celebration. And the whole family is going to make an appearance on the balcony. It's going to be this huge thing, like all of these planes are going to fly over and we were just like buzzing because my the the two things that I wanted to do is one, I wanted to see a member of the royal family and two, I wanted to see a Spice Girl. Now, I still haven't seen a, or met a Spice Girl, but that's why I keep having to go back. That's why I need to keep going back um, because I know it's going to happen. I'm manifesting it again. Um, but anyways, they told us like, you have to come back tomorrow. The whole family is going to make an appearance. It's going to be this huge celebration. And we were so excited. So we decided to walk from Buckingham Palace to the Kensington Palace Gardens, which if you've never been to London, I think realistically, it's only like two miles away. But we not only took the scenic route, we took the very, very scenic route um, to where it was like probably seven miles. 
<laughs> that it took us it took us like two hours to walk there it was such a long time we walked all the way through Hyde Park which Hyde Park is so much bigger than you would expect it to be and when we got there like we weren't gonna tour the palace we weren't gonna like have tea there we just wanted to see the gardens and we were gonna go do something else but as we got there and we were looking around everything was beautiful and then all of a sudden we see this helicopter And one thing that I've learned in my life is that if you see a suspicious helicopter, just go follow it because there's probably someone rich or important in that helicopter and you're going to find something out. So we see this helicopter. No one else seems to like notice it or they just looked up but then looked away. So Emma and I just run up this hill to follow this helicopter. And when we got there, the only other people that were there were this like, you know, mom and sister duo and this police officer. And out of this helicopter steps the Queen of England, like 50 feet away from me, maybe. She just shuffled her little ankles out of this helicopter and into this car. Because also during this weekend was not just, you know, the World Cup. um, I think it was the semifinals, if I'm remembering correctly. It wasn't just that. It wasn't just um, the Royal Air Force 100-year celebration. Prince Louis was also being baptized. He was being christened. So... That's why she was there. They were, his baptism was that day. And she showed up to like take pictures and see the family before, I guess. And we looked over at this security guard or this police officer and we were like, is that who we think it was? And he said, yes, you just saw the queen. And Emma and I were freaking out. I mean, we've never freaked out more in our lives. So we're already feeling on top of the world, right? We've seen the queen. We've done her little ankles. I always talk about her little ankles. She just shuffled into this little car. Um, We wake up really, really early the next day to go back to Buckingham Palace. And we got there so early that we saw the whole family leave in these cars. So I have this video of like Queen Elizabeth and all of the royals in different cars just passing in front of us waving. So we saw her again, (laughs) very up close and personal that morning. And so we're just feeling like the luckiest people alive. And then they start the celebration. The whole family made an appearance on the balcony. It was so special. If you're not aware, that very, very rarely happens. So I was just in shock. Like I was numb the whole time. And honestly, the celebration was really cool because they flew over every single plane that has ever flown um, for the Royal Air Force. So it started, you know, with the big old clunky ones and everything into the modern ones. It was just a really cool experience to be a part of. So I think it didn't help all of these events for sure about like my romantic, like the way that I romanticize London and England, because not only was everyone just feeling this like camaraderie, they were feeling this really like, you know, pride of being British. They also were in the World Cup. So everyone was celebrating and it was just a big weekend and we happened to be there for all of it. So it was truly the trip of a lifetime. I mentioned earlier, but I also almost interned in London from this trip. Um, Emma and I had gone to a church on a Sunday morning and I just saw an internship opportunity so I applied for it and just thinking like I don't ever I was graduating college I didn't know what I wanted to do but again I've always wanted to live in London so I saw this opportunity and I just thought I would go for it they said anyone's welcome to apply and I said well I'm anyone um and so I applied (laughs) and ended up they ended up contacting me and 
offering me an interview before I left. So Emma and I went together to this really like weird warehouse and I interviewed for this job. They ended up offering it to me and was super excited. I had had some correspondence with their team and basically it was on my end now of like getting home, applying for my visa, getting all of that stuff in order. I got home and literally I think I was like one or two days short of my application because you have to apply for your visa like three months before you go. So it was literally like right within the window. It was probably something that I could have disputed or tried to get them to bend the rules a little bit, but it was to the point that I physically couldn't even submit my application because it wasn't within a date range that was required. And I was just crushed. But also if, you know, we can switch gears for a second to like a really real talk about the spiritual side of all of this. To be honest, I felt like God was like dangling my dreams in front of my face. And you know that commercial with the old man and the dollar on the the fishing rod and he's like, oh, you got to be quicker than that. You almost had it. That's kind of what I felt like. Like all everything I've ever wanted was within my reach and I just couldn't make it happen. But at that point, I also felt like I was trying to force it. It didn't feel peaceful at all. It felt really stressful. And it was kind of like, okay, God, I believe that I will be back here one day doing something. I just, I don't want to force this and I don't want to make it work just to work. I want it to be like in your time, basically. So later that year or a couple months later, I graduated from college, ended up moving to Dallas. That's where I'm at now. And obviously everything happens for a reason. I know people say that and you're like rolling your eyes and like wanting to, you know, hurt yourself physically right now. But Dallas has changed my life in such a big realistic way that it it can't even compare to like the what ifs of what if London would have worked out. So I still believe that God sees my dreams and he knows my heart, all of that. I don't have anything else to say about that (laughs) or else I'll go down a dark path. So we are going to (laughs) turn to a new topic. (laughs) All right, the main attraction, the royal family. I wanted to call this episode queen shit, but then I remembered the kids. You know, you got to do stuff for the kids sometimes. So it's like I'll say it in here, but I don't want to title the episode that yet. I don't think the kids are ready. We got to wait for some of the kids to grow up. Um... Okay, the royal family. I could genuinely do a whole podcast just talking about them or just even taking it one member at a time and breaking down all of my thoughts and feelings. But like I said about the at the beginning, um, I genuinely am impartial about the royal family. I think there's something about just royalty in general or just this storyline that like not even just like the British monarchy, right? But just any storyline that you have involving princes and princesses and Disney and this whole mindset. I think there's just something about it from the time you're young that's super, again, enticing to you. It's exciting. Um, With all those Christmas movie reviews that I've been doing on my story, um, I said that anytime there's a a storyline about like being royalty, it doesn't mean that I'm going to bump up the score necessarily, but it's just like if it's a garbage movie, I'm not going to turn it off halfway through kind of thing. You know, I'm still going to give it a two out of 10 or or lower, but I'm not going to turn it off. There's something about it that just I have to keep watching the whole movie. And I do think that that's kind of programmed into us from the time we're young with like Disney, if I'm being honest. Um, That's just my theory. I don't know. I don't want to like get into a lot of debates about that. But like, again, like I said at the beginning, 
the reason why I say fascination with them is because I'm just, they're so polarizing. Like as much as you feel like they're relatable and that you understand them, there's no way that we ever could um, because the system was built that way. Right. And I think I've talked about this before with Beyonce, um, our, <laughs> our American royalty, Beyonce, that some like people are either really, really obsessed and enticed with her or they don't care because I think when people are so polarizing again or they just don't share a lot of their lives on social media, but there's so much in the public eye, it can either be a, something that really draws people in or something that pushes people away where they're really, really disinterested. And obviously, I think the royal family is the same way. Um, and I totally get that now, like they don't have as much political pull. I don't know if if Americans don't know that they're not like making decisions for king and country, right? That's why they have the prime minister. That's why they have parliament. They have all these other branches of government. Um, and I really do believe that the royal family now, like not just because of history sake and culture sake of what it means to people and the reason why they're there, it really is a lot about just like the humanity of it all. It's about the the charities that they do. I think a lot of it's just the camaraderie and the, the rah-rah-ree that people feel about the royal family. Um, and I just like, like, I get it. And at the same time, my mind goes to the place of like, why on earth do we still have systems like this in place? Because I just don't get it. Like, if they're not politically doing something, then like, why are they in power? Um, but at the same time, I acknowledge that that's a very Americanized mindset. Um, and it's not even a question like that. It makes me angry. It's just a question that I have of like, I just don't get it truly, but I'm also fascinated with them and their life at the same time. Um, that it's just like the, the less I know about them, <laughs> the more I want to know kind of thing. And I, I do think that in recent years, they've, they've switched gears to try to be more relatable. Um, I mean, I know that they did that infamous documentary where it was kind of like, you know, inside the royal the royal family type of thing that made people see them like in a just a more humanistic and realistic way for the first time to realize like okay they are a family and it was kind of funny on the questions that I got of like what's what's something that you want to explain to the queen some people were like um what were they saying? Some people were like, how to dress yourself or how to cook or how to play games or Monopoly. And it's like, I think people forget that, that like they know how to do stuff like that or that they've done stuff like that. Um, at the same time, the there was very, with that question of things I would like to explain to the Queen of England, I do think that they are comically out of touch as a whole um, because they've kind of had to be. Like their duty is for country over emotion, over their reality, over their dreams, over anything else. And that's just such a different way of living than this like Americanized individualistic mindset that it's it is really enticing to me to be honest but even as relatable as they are trying to be now I still think that they are so very robotic that if I can't understand or see the full range of of emotions in a person if I can't see their valleys and their mountaintops then I'm like not interested because it's not real to me I don't like that facade that like everything's rosy everything's perfect um if I could explain it in like Christian terms, it's kind of this idea among Christians that like everyone's perfect all the time. No one's hurting. It's that same frustration that I get when I feel like 
Christians are trying to pretend like they have it all together. That's kind of how I feel about the royal family. I'm like, you have bad days too. And I think that's why people loved Diana so much is because she was more real. But woo, before I get into Diana with season four of The Crown, um, there's obviously also the, the layers of like corruption and hiding and everything else that's notorious among the royal family, which on some level, I also think like if we had all of our failures or just like mistakes on display, what a, what a bleak and sad life we would live. But there's a difference in like messing up and someone covering that up and like really, really big, <laughs> really, really big scandals and stuff that's been like perpetuated and behaviors that have been perpetuated that you've seen either among like the the royal family or like extended members of the royal family or just patterns of behavior um that obviously I think we should talk about like people shouldn't just turn a blind eye to those but at the same time again with the realism it's like I don't know I don't know what to say or think about that I don't think I get to have an opinion because I'm not British. Like, it doesn't affect my life, if that makes sense. Also, as I'm talking about these people, I acknowledge that I don't know them, and all of this is speculation and just my opinion. So take all of this with a grain of salt. (laughs) So, something else that I love about the Queen really quick is the, again, with being comically out of touch, the Queen technically has two birthdays. Did you guys know this? I think her real birthday is in April, but as a country, they celebrate in June. But they also still celebrate her birthday in April. And the reason being is, I think traditionally, I think this is what it is, that if your birthday was during a month that was in winter or where, like, it was going to be cold or rainy or whatever, they would celebrate in the summer so that you can have your parade, you can have all of your things because they don't want to be chilly in a parade, I guess. But my thing is, like, hey, that's great. If you want to move it to the summer, then, like, you don't get two birthdays, girl. Like, you don't get two birthdays. No one gets two birthdays. I don't care if you're the Queen of England. But also, if you're, if they're offering you two birthdays, you go for it. So as much as I'm like, hey, that's not great, I'm also like, go off, Queen. (laughs) Literally, Queen. I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed that you have two birthdays. Something else. Um, Philip gets the award for most deceased looking person to still be alive. And I know that that's mean. And I'm sorry that that's mean, but I don't say deceased in a bad way. Again, okay, this is also a segue from the beginning of the episode where I said, if you don't know what my mom does for a living, blah, blah, blah. My mom's a funeral director. So the trip that I'm taking with her because no one else could go um, involves a funeral. And that's all that I'm going to say about it right now because I'm still internally processing as well. Um, But I've been around like death my whole life. Death isn't like I'm kind of a super morbid person because death isn't weird to me. Uh, But hot take Jacob, you all know, my friend Jacob is living in Spain right now. He's over there teaching English. He said that all of the Brits that he hangs out with, that they keep saying that Philip has already died and that the royal family is keeping it under wraps. I don't know why they would say that or think that, but I just felt like that was relevant to share some gossip, some tea (laughs) about the royal family. Mm, Am I going to be sued for saying that? I don't think he died. That wasn't me saying I think he died. That was other people saying that they thought he died. But if he did die, you guys are like the first one to know. And we'll like look back on this episode. It is um, December 1st, 2020. And I'm reporting this first. (laughs) Okay, moving on. 
All right, it is time for our segment of the episode today. I love this question segment that I do on my story. Please submit your answers. They make me laugh so hard. If you ever see a question box on my Instagram, just know it's going to be on the podcast. So the question that I asked is, what would you like to explain or see explained to the Queen of England? And here's my list, which again, there's this balance of like, I don't necessarily think she lives under a rock, but at the same time, I wouldn't know. Like, as much as, you know, people were saying what it's like to cook or whatever, I'm like, she's cooked before. Then I asked this question of, like, has she? I don't know. Because as much as I assume, like, that's a dumb question, yes, she's cooked before. It's also kind of like, she could very well, like, why would she, why would she need to cook her whole life? Like, why would she ever need to touch a stove? I don't know. Maybe before her dad ascended the throne? I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. Anyways. Here is my list of things that I would like to see explained to the Queen of England. The first one is Veggie Tales. Now, this one's obvious, mainly because the produce faith crossover is a little strange. Um, I've always thought Veggie Tales was strange, to be honest, but I, I wanted to explain to her with, like, the silly songs of Larry only, like the where is my hairbrush or like the pirates who don't do anything type of thing um, because those say nothing about the Bible stories and I want like no other context to be given to her because she will be very confused. The next thing I want to see explained to her is kiss cams. Um, now I think they've actually done a segment like at the, at the BAFTAs or at some award show where they did like a kiss cam but they introduced it as like as popular at American sporting events type of thing. So I don't know that she's ever seen a kiss cam. And now that these are probably gone forever because of COVID, RIP kiss cams, I just think she'll find it really, really fascinating. And I've come up with some names for them. Um, These are in the PowerPoint. I hope to share it. The name is like the Commonwealth kiss cam. Maybe they can do it at like a family function or like a staff retreat and have some fun. Or the French kiss if you're not French kiss cam. These can be workshopped, but probably not because they're perfect. The next thing I want to see explained to the Queen of England is Doritos Locos Tacos. Now, I feel like she has to know about Taco Bell for some reason. I mean, they have stores over there. I just feel like she has to know. But I don't think she's ever tried one, and I would just like to see that personally. Um, I don't even like Taco Bell, but I just feel like we would all be entertained with that. The next one is Goat Yoga. I just feel like she'll either love it or think it's really, really stupid, and she'll probably want to incorporate her corgis, which actually I think all of her corgis have died. I think she only has dorgies left, which is the dachshund corgi crossover, so she'll want to incorporate the dorgies somehow, and there's lots of room. They have lots of lawns. They have lots of land where they can do goat yoga, and I'm sure they have lots of goats, so I feel like this is a really reasonable one. I feel like it will benefit her, honestly, Um, and the last one is the free Britney movement. Now, here's the thing. Britney and um, Britney Spears, by the way, I think I would assume that you all know about the free Britney movement. If not, there's like way too much to talk about. But basically, Britney Spears is trapped by her crazy father. That's all you need to know. It's a very much like a tangled scenario, (laughs) but except she's not in a tower. She might be in a house. I don't know. Anyways, um, I think like since they are like 18th cousins once removed or something crazy like that, that's actually a fact. And William and um, Britney Spears were supposed to go on a date, like, in the early 2000s, and he notoriously, like, blew her off. So, I think, because of this, there's a possibility that she might still keep up with Britney, the queen of pop. Um, two queens just keeping up, keeping up tabs with each other kind of thing. 
I think her presence in this matter could really turn things around for Brittany because not only would the queen be educated about like some of the crazy court decisions in America, she'll also be able to help her. Like the more celebrities we get behind this, the more hashtag awareness, the easier we can free our queen Brittany. So I just think also with all of these things, she's going to have to have like 18 different things explained to her, which I think will be like very, very funny to witness. Um, So that's my list. I also thought of shotgunning, like shotgunning a beer. And a lot of the responses said like drinking games like jello shots or beer pong or different things like that. And honestly, I think she might know about them because I feel like, especially if you've watched season four of The Crown, I'm not going to spoil anything right now, but if you've watched season four of The Crown or even if you've watched other seasons, they kind of show like the fun atmosphere that happens when it's just their family or specifically when they're in Scotland at their castle there. Um, There's just a laid back fun vibe. And I wonder if like, you know, an ad- a young adult William or Harry ever showed back up and said, hey, look at this game that I learned from my friends. Let's all play it. I just wonder, like, maybe the Queen's played beer pong. Um, Her grandchildren have said once that she's never eaten pizza, so I highly doubt it. But maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's a question for her. That's why we have to ask. That's why we have to to explain things to her. But my favorite answer (laughs) that I got on this was someone said that the thing they want to see explained to the Queen is women's bathroom culture at, like, a club, bar, or at a frat party. And I promise you one thing. I've never been more encouraged in my life than when I have stepped foot into a very crowded bathroom bar. I think the feminism movement back in the day was birthed out of a a women's bathroom at like a nightclub because I think they, they just all started supporting each other and encouraging each other and realized how amazing it was and realized that like they're just as smart as men are and they deserve all the same rights as men and they probably just left that bathroom, dumped all their boyfriends and walked right out of the bar. And there are so many, again, with all of these, there are so many layers and backstories and, like, sub-stories that would have to be explained to the Queen. I really wish that they were a little more relevant to turn it into a YouTube series. Um, and I volunteer as tribute of hosting this. I don't know any of the royal formalities. I don't know what to call them. If I'm disrespectful on this podcast because I'm not calling them by the right title, I'm very sorry. It's just because I'm stupid and I don't know whether to say Your Majesty, Your Royal Highness, um... Or, like, just the Queen, the Queen Elizabeth. I feel like Queen Liz is a little disrespectful, so I won't be using that one. But you get the gist. Someone else said um, multi-level marketing, MLMs. Yeah, I think she'd be really fascinated with that. And another person, different person said, trying to sell essential oils to the Queen. Can you imagine if they had, like, a Young Living conference in London and part of it was, like, getting to tour the palace (laughs) and someone really had the audacity to try to sell something to the queen or like Rodan and Fields. Was that how you say it? I'm probably pronouncing all of these wrong because I don't use them. Um, or Monet. Can you just imagine? That would be so fascinating. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if like they were like oilers, you know, they, they had all their essential oils diffusing at all times. That just seems like something they would do. That seems like a Kate move, you know, a Kate Middleton move to me is to have essential oils everywhere. Someone else said Crocs. They would like to see Crocs explained to the Queen. But here's my hot take. I think she knows about Crocs. And again, with the royal family trying to be a little bit more relevant, they released an official picture a couple years ago now, I think, of um, Prince George, the oldest one of Will and Kate. They will, oh my gosh, who am I? Will, like I'm friends with him, and Kate, ew. 
um, their oldest son, all of that aside, their oldest son was wearing Crocs, like running around in a yard. So I feel like she knows what Crocs are. And that really, really warms my heart. Um, your, your majesty, I feel like we're more alike than you think. I think I would be a very good companion for you. You need to pay me to live in your castle and like do social media for you. Hello. Someone else said, explain the difference between yes and yes honestly yeah because one subtle vowel change can mean a world of difference um just the y-e-s to the y-a-s all caps maybe a little extra s's at the end of that one world of difference I don't think she'll get that one I think that concept is too out there too ingrained into like millennial gen z culture I'm not really sure that she'll get that again someone said like tiktok I think the queen knows about tiktok I don't think she uses it but she's probably been briefed on tiktok right I mean, like, the, the royal family, someone else said Zoom, too. Like, she's been on Zoom during the pandemic. She still had to meet with people and do things. Like, she knows about computers. She knows about webcams. <laughs> um, and I have a feeling, like, she knows about different apps, like social media. Because also, the royal family just transitioned to having social media a few years ago. Um, and obviously, it's not like, you know, personal stories and stuff. But it is a way just for them to engage with other people. Someone said explain WAP to her. Honestly, we don't have the time. We don't have the strength. We don't have the purity of heart. We cannot ruin the queen like that. We can't explain Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B and Kylie Jenner and the the music video and WAP. Like, she'll, she's already probably disappointed with America. We can't disappoint her more, you know? I just think as a society, she probably looks at, you know, her stepchildren that got away back in the day and is like, I could have led you guys better type of thing that's just my assumption. (laughs) This one's good. Someone said DIY Kool-Aid hair dyeing. There's so much to explain on that one. First of all, a tax bracket that she'll never understand um, of either being too broke to afford permanent hair dye or um, too just like not um, your parents not allowing you to dye your hair type of thing. And you'll have to explain Kool-Aid. I don't know that she knows about Kool-Aid. So there's a lot to explain with that and that you have to have light hair. I mean, there's so many principles, but that one's a good one. Okay, someone else said Chick-fil-A sauce hoarders. And this was a direct attack on me, and I think they knew it. Um, I have a sauce drawer at every job I've ever had. You just... You can't have the potluck where someone makes really dry chicken and expect me not to want, like, a Polynesian sauce from Chick-fil-A or a hot mustard from McDonald's. Also, hot take, the best sauce at McDonald's if you've never had it, not honey mustard, but hot mustard. It's delicious. It's so good. I can't even explain it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love sauces. I, I really do love sauces, so that one hurt. And, of course, there were a lot of, like, ones that were very sexual of things that they would want to explain to the queen. Um, but this one made me laugh out loud. Someone said vaginal steaming. Someone wants vaginal steaming to be explained to the queen. I don't want to be in the room when that one's explained to her, to be honest. I just feel like she's going to have a lot of follow-up questions that I don't want to know about. I don't care. Um, (laughs) someone said Dutch ovening someone. Grow up. Okay, we're not going to do that to the queen. We're not going to fart under the covers and put the queen's head under there. Because that one you can't just explain. That one has to be explained through tutorial. And we're not signing up for that. Absolutely not. And this last one was ASMR. 
Um, I shared this one on my story, but it made me laugh so hard because I was picturing like this YouTuber um, with very long nails that, you know, is talking into a microphone and the queen's wearing headphones and she's just like chewing on honeycomb and hitting things with her nails and breaking apart chips and drinking and chewing boba. You know what I mean? Like the guards would be so on edge. The queen would be so uncomfortable. I just think it would make for like some really iconic reaction gifts for like time time and years to come also i'm a gif person not a gif person and i say gif because they're a gift to the world so there's a little tip tips with molly there you go all right guys this is officially the last segment we're about to talk about the crown so if you have not watched the crown if you're not caught up i thought i gave you guys enough time i watched it all in a day i love the crown though so thank you so much for listening see you later bye bye ta-ta don't let the door hit you on the way out are they gone okay guys i have so many thoughts and feelings right um first and foremost let's just get it out of the way diana deserved so much better in this life which i i hope that they with the next season and i hope it's renewed i'm counting on it being renewed i don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna show all of that I feel like it could be very, very traumatic. So I wonder, like, since they've done kind of like what they did with the first two seasons where they stayed in that same time period, I wonder since they've stayed in the same time period for these two that they're going to skip ahead for the next two a little bit. Um, Because I just think that would be really traumatic for a lot of people to relive. And, like, the royal family has talked about The Crown before. Um, I don't think they watch The Crown, and if they do, they probably just think it's, like, blasphemous, but it would be really fun one day if, in the same way that, like, if you've watched the documentary Diana in her own words, it kind of goes into the book that was written about Diana, where it was really, like, crazy when it was released and people didn't know who the source was and after Diana passed away they revealed that it was her who had like done all of these secret tapes and helped release this book so that her story could be told and the the documentary it's on Netflix it's called Diana in her own words unless they did something like that like how crazy would that be if in a couple years like William comes forward and is like I was a like I was hired to consult on the set and with the writing team like I was the source I just think that would be fascinating. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on Diana. Now, I do agree that, like, she was very young and immature, right? But at the same time, like, they knew what they were thrusting her into. And I think on some level, they thought, well, she's so young, we can kind of, like, mold her to be the person that we need to be. Like, she has all the bones to be a great queen. She has all the upbringing and the status and everything to be, like, the people's princess and a great queen one day. Um... It's just so sad to see her reality. And, you know, the infamous eating disorder, right, that everyone thought that that was what was causing her marriage to fall apart when she talks openly about, like, that that was a direct cause of her marriage, that the eating disorder was caused by her unstable relationship. I mean, just imagine if you say yes, you're immediately forced into this to where you technically can't say no anymore, and then you find out even from just a dating stage that your fiance that your boyfriend that this person that you're in a relationship with is still cheating on you and has never stopped like having an affair and having another relationship with someone else that that's who he's always loved like 
at some level, as much as it's like, well, this is the person I'm marrying, it's also like you feel at some level, like she must have felt like she was intruding on their life. And I thought they displayed that, like, especially the conversation that comes to mind is when like, Charles is screaming at her in that one scene, I can't remember what episode. And he was like, when you hurt her, you hurt me. And was talking about Camilla, like when you hurt Camilla, you hurt me. And all she had said to her was like, he's my husband, I want my husband back type of thing. Um, That was like, I thought they did that really well because they showed of like, again, I think, you know, Charles is the worst, (laughs) to be honest, but I also have to feel for him. I feel like, you know, thinking back to last season when they showed how he had so many dreams and aspirations growing up of wanting to like do theater or wanting to do other stuff and knowing from a young age like your dreams don't matter because you are going to be king one day like sorry that's just your reality um that's just like horrible you know it's just it's horrible to think that which again I acknowledge is an Americanized mindset there are some people that I'm sure like really love that and see it as an honor and see it as like you know whatever for me as such a dreamer as such a free spirit it just seems so heartbreaking um but again I have no idea what they really feel about it but I thought that they even going back to last season I thought that they portrayed all of that and that wrestle and that tension really really well but I think like and again knowing Diana's fate of how she died and everything like I just I think we can all agree that Diana deserved better even with her immaturity like you should not be forced to figure out who you are and have all of these expectations on you and realize that you're a totally different person and having to deal with all of this strife and this marriage strife and um also being harassed by the paparazzi and by the public in the way that she was it's just man, it's heartbreaking to me. And like the British tabloids are relentless. And this is just kind of a side note, but I, this is my theory is I think that like Harry has been so outspoken about the paparazzi and about how much they like drove his mother crazy that like that led to her car crash and a lot of people don't know this but Diana was alive after the car crash like the first responders have talked about her talking to them asking what happened realizing that she had a severe head wound and the paparazzis like would still not leave they were still taking pictures of her they were like they had dehumanized her so much that they just wanted the story um they just wanted the story of all of this and Harry has been very, very outspoken about how, like, the the paparazzi's involvement in her mother's death, that it not only caused the car accident, but there were people that, like, literally, instead of helping her, just kept taking pictures of what happened and how maybe her life could have been saved if they weren't delayed by the paparazzi and, like, you know, first responders could have gotten through quicker, all of that stuff, which, I mean, you never know what could have happened in that situation, but I just think it's interesting that he's been so outspoken on it, and I wonder if, like, again, the, the British tabloids are relentless, they're horrible, and I just wonder, because he's he seems to have the same spirit as Diana in a lot of ways, I think, like, most people can see that. Um, I just wonder if he started feeling that same thing towards his wife. And, like, I know he's kind of talked about it before, but I wonder if it goes even deeper into, like, really, like, a lot of people have this speculation that Megan is the one that, like, wanted to step back from all the royal duties and didn't want to be a part of it and wanted to move and stuff. But I think especially, like, once William had kids and kind of the line was cemented that like unless a real real tragedy happened there was no way that he was ever going to be on the throne he almost kind of saw it as a door of like 
all of this harassment, I like don't like the same stuff that happened to my mom I'm seeing happen to my wife. And that can't be a great feeling when it was as traumatic of an ending as Diana's life. You know what I mean? Um, so I just find that fascinating. And that's just my theory is that maybe he started seeing some of the same patterns and that's why they decided to like step back from royal responsibilities. Uh, Don't talk to anyone about that. That's embarrassing. (laughs) I don't know. That's just my theory. The next thing is that Margaret Thatcher must have been insufferable. I just like could not stand her. Every scene with her, like the episodes where she was not present were my favorite because she just, I don't know, just being the first woman prime minister, you think that like even if you're not a feminist, all of that stuff, that you would still find some pride in wanting to bring other women along on this journey with you or open up other doors that were open to you. And the the part where, like, she's meeting with the queen for the first time and she's saying, like, oh, I'm not having any women in my cabinet because women in leadership, like, are bad. Basically, they make bad decisions. It's like, what are you talking about? Do you not realize how hypocritical that is? It was so annoying to me. And she just seemed like... I don't know. I also just don't really understand people that are so work driven and don't care about like living life or enjoying life at all. And so I just don't think if I knew her in real life, we would have gotten along. (laughs) So I think because she was portrayed so well on the TV show that like I was just not a fan. But I did love the scene where she goes up in the summer to Scotland. um, Like you had to imagine that that's exactly how it went, that she was just not about it. Like, she just must have had the worst time. If, like, that really is the only place that the queen can kick back and relax and just enjoy life, like, she had to find that horrifying. Like, oh, it was so funny. I loved watching, I loved watching the scenes from Scotland. Um, I just found those to be really fun and very memorable, and I loved seeing Diana's introduction. It was like, oh, you just wanted to root for her so bad and seeing her succeed and the whole family love her. Like, it made it that much more sad to think about how things shifted so quickly to see how loved she was in that moment. I also found it super interesting and a little heartbreaking to see the queen explore her relationship with each of her children. Um, And I loved that they talked about her having a favorite child, to be honest. Um, But I don't even know if she finds it sad, though, because at some level, like, we talk about you know, motherhood or our experience with, like, our moms and our relationship with our moms and stuff like that, that we're like, oh, it must be so sad. Honestly, it's kind of like, if that's how you were raised, that there's no room for emotion when it's about duty to country and basically, like, you're going to mother a nation one day, um, I don't know if she saw it as, like, being sad that much about it. Because even if you think about it, even her exploring her relationship with each of her children was kind of a selfish endeavor because it wasn't about getting to know them more. It was about her trying to find out who her favorite child was from, you know, Margaret Thatcher talking about her favorite child being lost and all of that. So as much as I was like, oh, it's so sweet to see her trying to build a relationship or just, you know, have a better relationship with her children, then I had to remember like, okay, but it was kind of a selfish endeavor because it was her figuring out who the favorite was. And honestly, who knows what her relationship with her children is like? Who knows what her real relationship with her grandchildren is like? I don't know that we'll ever know kind of thing, but I mean, that's kind of why I love the crown so much is I think it gives the royal family also an opportunity to be like, no, that's not what it's like. You know what I mean? Kind of a bargaining chip of like, show us more about your life, not the fluff. We want to know. We're so fascinated by it all. I also really, really loved the episodes where they talked about the Lost Sisters because 
And it's funny because one of my friends just like did not like that. But I found it fascinating because to me, it not only shows how far the world has come, it shows some really dark time in their history as like a royal lineage of literally being willing to write off that some people have died and put them away in a home and in an institution instead of acknowledging that they're part of the family. Um, and even then, you know, they went into how they weren't actually on the royal bloodline, they were on the marriage side. But at the same time, it's like, it, it also just showed how much to me, like the royal family was put on a pedestal of these unrealistic standards by the people of like giving people an option of back in the day to ride off the royal family or have cause for an uprising or that kind of thing by seeing these like genetic occurrences in their family that weren't quote normal, right? And it's just heartbreaking to think about that. It's heartbreaking to think of how like the queen mother knew that like she knew that her nieces were there and just never talked about it, decided never to do anything about it. And I just found it really fascinating to see, like, Margaret's journey with discovering this and going on about it and, like, bringing it up and even having, like, kind of a crisis moment with it all of of just realizing this corruption that was within her family. Um, I really, really loved that episode. I was very, very bored with the Fagan storyline. What was his name? Like, Michael Fagan or something? I was very, very bored with that. I did not think that that deserved to be a full episode. Um, I think they were trying to show, like, something that must have been really scary, like, at a moment in British history. I also wonder if it was a really, really big deal in the UK, if it was a really big deal in England when that happened, that that's why they decided to put it in the show. Um, but I think, like, maybe that could have been a part of it. I know that it wasn't necessarily about his break-in. It was about the links that people were trying to go to explain to the people who were, again, very out of touch and um, that could have done something about that situation more with unemployment and with all of the problems that they were having. I get that that's the point they were trying to make. But, oh gosh, I was so bored. I, like, barely remember that episode because I was on my phone and I just, like, I didn't think it deserved a full episode in my opinion. I could be, like, the, other people probably have differing opinions about that, but I just don't think it should have been a full episode. I also really, really question if Charles ever even loved Diana a little bit because I don't think that he did. And I know they showed the scenes, um in like Australia where after their fights and their tiffs they had talked about and had that really sweet moment of how like he still loved her and thought she was the prettiest girl in the room and that kind of thing but I genuinely don't think that he ever did because he always said whatever love means but that that one scene in Australia kind of drove me crazy the way that they portrayed it because I really don't think he ever loved her because even as soon as he said all of that he was right back in his other patterns it's kind of narcissistic in that way um, and then, you know, they show that avalanche episode, which was confusing, um, which I get that they're trying to show, like, this spark and everything, but I just think his behavior was revolting. Like, you think about how he put all of those tabs on her while he was still cheating on her and going behind her back to have this other relationship, and the second she misstepped, he, like, used it to leverage her, when the whole royal family knew that, like, Charles was cheating on Diana, but they just, like, didn't care until Diana messed up. It just, ugh, disgusting. Disgusting behavior out of men. I hate men. Just kidding, not all men. Just this mindset and behavior is revolting. Um, anyways, I, I have more thoughts and feelings. I can't formulate them right now. I just think the overall storyline, Diana deserved better. That's kind of the, that's the theme of this 
season. I think that's why so many people loved it because so many people loved Diana. And I even asked my mom, like, and I know they didn't get into this in the show, but I asked her, like, do you remember where you were when Diana died? And she was like, yeah, of course I do. And told me all about how she, like, literally stayed up all night and just was talking about waiting until they made the final call. And my mom said that, like, me and my friends always thought, her exact words were, we always thought Charles was a toad. We still think he's a toad. Like, she said no one really cared about Charles. No one cared even about the queen. It was Diana that everyone loved because you saw such a, a real side to the royalty. But also, she was just so different. Like, she had a personality. Um, and my mom said, like, we all were so happy when she finally divorced him. And then seeing, like the end of her life come so soon. My mom said, I was so sad that like she was basically just beginning her life and it ended so quickly. So there's so much more we could talk about. I genuinely love The Crown. I think it's so fascinating and amazing. Um, but I think that's all that I have for my roundup. Please, as always, let me know your thoughts and feelings. Let me know your biggest takeaways. Those were just the highlights that I had made and the notes that I had made as like the series went on. Um, but let me know your thoughts and feelings on The Crown. If you love it, if you hate it, give me your best guesses for what the next season is going to be. Um, and I think that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I love doing this episode. I just love talking about the UK. It's fascinating to me. And maybe we can all take a girl's trip one day. Guys, you're welcome to. Um, but we're still going to call it a girl's trip. We'll take a girl's trip over there one day. It'll be a blast. But as always, you guys can follow me on social media at mollylee31. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at painfullyselfawarepodcast. Um, make sure that you subscribe, that you leave a rating and review. I'm so thankful for all of those and I love reading them. But I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. See ya.